if you didn't pick up on it already, my name is Brad Gatto. I, my wife and I are also just members of the church. And every now and again, I get an opportunity to, gosh, Derek, I was wondering why, as short as you are, you were doing this, but that light is crazy bright. Uh, I get an opportunity to share with you, and everybody already knows I'm a Hawkeye fan. Derek already brought that out. So I'll give you another fun fact about me. I hate winter. I'm the worst Minnesotan on the face of the planet. This, thank you. There's a couple of you that agree with me. I don't know why I live here. I, I really, I say it every year. I don't know why I live here. I don't play hockey. I don't snowmobile. I think ice fishing's for the birds. I, I pay to heat my garage because I hate cold that much. Uh, but yet I live here. So a little bit about me. I want to pray as we open. We're in this series on couples, marriage, significant others. And so what I want you to do is if you're here with your significant other or your couple, as we pray, I want you to hold their hand. Father, we love you. And we love that you made us to be in relationship. We love that in our DNA is this want and this desire to not only love, but be loved by other people. But it's hard, Lord, because we live in a fallen world. And so these relationships, even the best of marriages, have their problems. The best of relationships have their problems, Lord. Um, and as fallen people, they can be absolutely amazing. And you've called us to them. Uh, but again, these difficulties can be there. So I just pray for my words today that they be yours. Lord, I pray for our time together. Uh, that as we learn together about what your word says about being in relationship, that words like grace and forgiveness and benefit of the doubt and things like that can come back into the relationships in this room. I pray also in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, I'm going to do something. <laughs> right? If you know my wife, she looks exactly like that right now. <laughs> Me? Not so much. When Pastor Aaron saw that, he's like, wow, you were a youth pastor, weren't you? <laughs> I had the, the, the necklace, the, the silver ball necklace. I had both my ears pierced. Uh, I was starting to get tattoos at that age. I was all things youth pastor. And the only reason I'm not today is because of the parents. It's funny because it's true, <laughs> and now I'm one of them. Uh, I'm going to do something that is probably going to get me in a massive amount of trouble, and I'm going to go with it because you're all here to protect me. Christy, can you come up here, please? I did not tell her I was going to do this. And if you know my wife... You know this is not comfortable for her at all. Hi, sweetie. Can you, can you tell everybody what your name is? Christy Lee Gatto. Okay, full thing. We got the full thing. <laughs> Doesn't she look exactly like she did? <laughs> 6,028 days ago, I stood at the front of a church, I will make it through this, I stood at the front of a church and waited while that song played, and she came around the corner, 6,028 days ago. How do I know that? I googled it. 
I didn't do the math on my own. <laughs> August 13th of 2005, right? I stood up there. My mouth was dry, kind of like it is right now. I was standing there, and she walked around the corner. All that was going through my head is, don't lock your knees. Don't lock your knees. Don't lock your knees. I was nervous. I was excited because this was the beginning of my happily ever after, where I got to look my wife in the face and tell her, until death do us part, for better or for poor. I didn't make it through then either. Uh, for richer or for poor, right? All the things. I don't remember all the things. I said a lot of things, and I promised her that I would be with her for the rest of our lives. And she promised me the same thing. And despite all of my mistakes, here we stand 6,028 days later, right? Right? Okay, good. <laughs> That's it. You don't need to say anything else. Okay, good. <laughs> and scene. So there's, there's the... Uh, there's the beginning of every romantic, or the end, rather, of every romantic comedy, or rom-com, as we like to call them, right? That's how they all end. It's always the happily ever after. And then the scene goes to black, and we're all happy, we have all the feels. And although I would say, and I hope my wife would agree, that we have a wonderful marriage, and I love her dearly, over those 6,028 days, I can promise you I've made more than 6,028 mistakes, which is why Aaron asked me to be up here. He thought, of everybody in the congregation, who's made more mistakes when it comes to their relationships that can speak to that? So here I am. We love this, though, don't we? Right? That song. I know the ladies in the room when that song started playing, it brought out all the feels. Right? We love these romantic comedies. The only big question is, who's the better actor for romantic comedies? Is it Matthew McConaughey? Right? Or is it Tom Hanks? I think it really depends on how old you are, right? Are you like sleepless in Seattle old? <laughs> or are you like failure to launch old? Right? Older. Older. I could, I, Google doesn't go back that far. That's all I got. Sorry. Google doesn't do anything that's black and white. But the, what's the problem? The problem is it doesn't end there, right? We get all the feels. That was still, to this day, one of the best days of my life, the day that I got married. Yet, as wonderful as weddings are, we've all been to them, over half of marriages in this country end in divorce. Over half. So think about that. You're at this wedding. People spent all this time, energy, and effort. There's obviously a ton of thought that goes into this idea of I'm going to marry somebody, Right? All your friends are there, your family's there, all the money has been spent, <laughs> and 50% of the time, it doesn't work. You stand on stage, just like I just did, we just got to renew our vows, by the way, honey, that counts, just so you know. <laughs> Let's do that again for a while. Um, another 6,028 days. Uh, but we say all these things, and I think, I think we mean it, right? In that moment, when you look them in the face, I think we all mean it. Yet, 50% of the time, it ends in divorce. And the number one reason listed on divorce decrees is irreconcilable differences. What does that mean? We don't get along. We don't get along. Why? How do we go from the altar where you're professing your undying love to somebody 
saying all these things for better or worse, for sick or in health and in sickness, and for rich or for poor, to all these things, and I'm going to be with you until the day I die, and then we end up in divorce. How does that happen? Well, the lie that the world tells us is that relationships always have a happy ending, that marriage is going to be what actually makes us happy. I think a lot of us think that when you're standing there at the altars, this is what is going to make me happy. It's that rom-com line, you complete me, right? The right person's going to make you happy. They complete you, like I said before. Walking into a marriage with these expectations end up leading to thoughts like, I can't believe they just did that. Why can't they read my mind? Why do I not always come first? Or in one of my many nights <laughs> where I've made mistakes in my marriage, you end up saying stupid lines like, I hope the pizza was worth it. He had to be there, but it was not a good night. <laughs> but can you believe the expectations we put on our spouses, right? We expect them to just know things. Like, we're supposed to kinetically, like, I can't. When I left the house this morning, you were just supposed to know that I wanted the laundry done when I came home. I can't believe you didn't do that. Right? We expect things from our spouse that we would never expect from anybody else, or your significant other. We do this even before marriage, right? When we're in a, a meaningful relationship. The bar that we set for them is so high that it's almost impossible to ever live up to it. Imagine that when you were standing at your wedding day and you're going through these vows, and I feel like because the vows are kind of the same all the time, it's like anything in life where you just start, you know, you've heard it a million times and so you can say the words without even really thinking about what you're saying. But can you imagine like a contract that you had to sign at the beginning of the marriage that was like, I'm never going to let you down. I'm always going to do these things. And like, I'm not going to ever make any mistakes. Like none of us would ever sign that covenant because we would know we can't fulfill that. There's just no possible way. Yet a lot of us put those expectations on our spouse. It's like, have you ever just been put in a situation where you just know before you even go into it, you're set up for failure. Like there's no possible way I'm going to make it. This just happened to me yesterday. Unfortunately, I had to miss my son's uh, basketball games last night because I waited to the last minute to make sure that I was ready for today. Uh, and so I'm home by myself. And my, uh, my two sister-in-laws are up visiting and they wanted, they all went to Liam's game and I was sitting at home by myself. You want to throw that picture up there? They left. I'm in a season of life where I am trying, trying to be healthy. And they leave, I walk over to the counter to get some water, and as I walk over to the counter, that is what I found. Uh, you know what that meal is called? Diabetes. That's what that's called. <laughs> I have no willpower. I have no willpower, and I just was like, there's just no, like, I, there is no way I'm going to make it. I, there's, I have, I've failed before it has ever even begun. And a lot of times, if your expectations of your significant other are such that they need to be perfect, they need to care for all of your needs, they need to do whatever your laundry list of things is, you are setting them up for failure because inevitably they are going to let you down. Irreconcilable differences is the number one thing written on divorce decrees. You let me down. You let me down. That brings me to my first point today. And that is, we ask our spouse to carry weight 
that they should not ask, be asked to, shouldn't be asked to carry. Let me spit that out. I'm going to try a demonstration really quick, and I did not test this out ahead of time, okay? So I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, is my son over there? Is Liam over there? Hudson's over Hudson, come up here. Over here, I have some weights that I brought from home. I figured they're not getting used at home. I might as well bring them here. All right, Hud, I don't want you to hurt yourself. This is Hudson, everybody. Everybody clap for Hudson. <laughs> Hudson is eight years old. Don't tell him how much weight is there. What I want you to do, Hud, I don't want you to hurt yourself. I want you to stand in between these weights, okay? I want you to bend over at the waist. I would put your legs down. Don't use your back, okay? I want you to try to lift those weights. Don't try too hard. Can you do it? Oh, good. He's not ready for marriage. All right, perfect. You can sit down. Brian Royal. Get up here, Brian. Brian. <laughs> I have never seen Brian Royal, and you might want to take that jacket off, buddy. I've never seen you in a jacket before. Here we go. You got one girl to clap for that. <laughs> one. Am I supposed to show my butt? So, Brian, you can do whatever you want. These weights yeah. represent my happiness. Sheesh. Yeah. My acceptance, uh -huh. my comfort, my security, and my respect. Yeah. I would like for you to lift to, your Yeah. I would like you to lift those and carry those for me okay. if you could. Use your use your legs, Brian. Okay. Now cool. Let's just let's just stand here for a minute. Okay. Why don't you you walk around? What? Now, so far, so good. So far, I'm happy. So far, I feel cared for. I feel secure. I feel respected. I'm carrying a lot of your weight. You are, right? <laughs> just how long do you think you'd be able to hold on to those pounds, those weights? Well, I guess we'll see. Do you want to just stay up here with me and see how long this takes? Sure. <laughs> for all of you, th they're 90-pound dumbbells, so he's carrying 180 pounds. So, ladies, just settle down. But this is, this is what we ask of our spouse. We look at our spouse and we're like, I want to be happy. I deserve to be happy. The world tells me that. I want to be respected. That's a big thing for guys, right? Women, more like, I want to be cared for. I want to feel secure, right? Yep. And we hand all of, exactly. See, he's already shrugging. Do you want to put him down? So much weight. <laughs> you can put him down. And there's... There's our first argument. This is what happens. Our first argument just happened. He can't carry the weight anymore. He had to put him down. And for a split second, eventually you probably come back and pick him back up again. Nope. But you can't <laughs> carry it. I carried him out of my basement. And when I carried him out of my basement, I was like, I put him in my truck. And I was thinking about the process of getting him into the church and the hallway and all that stuff. And I went and grabbed a dolly. <laughs> oh, man. But who in the world is going to carry that burden? I mean, when you think about the weight, we can do it for a certain period of time, right? And those expectations, however high that bar is set or you set it for your spouse, they can carry it for a certain period of time, but eventually they're not going to be able to carry that weight. Eventually they're going to have to set it down, and then the arguments happen. And then they pick them back up. 
but then we get tired again and we put them back down. And then we pick them back up, then we put them back down. Your spouse, your significant other, when you're in relationship, or even friends, your friends are not responsible for your happiness. They're not responsible for your acceptance or your comfort or the respect that you feel or your security. Yet marriages carry this weight of expectations all the time. There is not one human being on planet Earth that can meet all of your foundational needs. Not one. Let that sink in. There's not one human being on planet Earth that can meet all of your foundational needs. Now, if you're single, don't hang your head. That doesn't mean you can't get married or that you shouldn't get married. It just means that you're looking to the wrong place. Somebody has already promised to meet every need that you have. Jesus says in Matthew, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is it is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add one single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And he ends by saying this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. In Philippians, it says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All of your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You see, the first problem we have in our relationships is we ascribe to our spouse or to our significant other what only God can do. Your spouse will let you down. <laughs> They will make mistakes. They will hurt you. They cannot be the foundation to your happiness, to your feeling of acceptance or self-worth or the respect that you think that you need or any of those things. Because if you give that to them, irreconcilable differences. <laughs> they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Number two, the best spouse cannot give you what Jesus can give you. The worst spouse cannot take it away. We hear that saying all the time, if I just find that one, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> right? And I'm not saying you shouldn't be on the search for the one if you're in this room and you're single. Or that you haven't already found the one, like myself. But what I am saying is that the one is Jesus. And then number two is your spouse. See, going back to what Jesus said in Matthew, that last verse there, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. You want comfort, you want security, and you want it to be consistent, you want that respect, and you don't want it to go away. You don't want to be let down. Jesus says very explicitly, you seek me first. No matter, you can, you can 
And put anything, take relationships out of this. Put anything else you want in life, your job, your kids, your school, whatever else it is you have going on in your life. Jesus says, me first. Seek the kingdom first. Not because I'm selfish and I want all of your attention, but because I'm the only one that will never let you down. Stop putting undue expectations on your relationships. Seek me first. In Romans it says, For I am convinced neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you seek the kingdom first, then your spouse second, and what it says here in Romans is that will never be taken from you, ever. The best spouse out there cannot do for you what Jesus can do for you. And conversely, the worst spouse, as it says in Romans, can never take away what Jesus has done for you. In Ecclesiastes, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, I don't know what kind of visual you want to get in your head, but the bottom line is we seek God first and then we seek our spouse. The best thing you could ever do for your spouse is seek Jesus before them. Let me say that again. The best thing you could ever do for your spouse is you seek Jesus before them. It seems counterintuitive, right? If I'm the best husband out there, the world would tell you that I'm doting on my wife at all times and my number one priority in life is her. God says no. You want to be the best husband you can be? You seek the kingdom first. You seek a relationship with me first. You want to be the best husband you can be? You need to have your relationship with me. And you need to rely on me for the things that your spouse cannot provide. That comfort, that security, that happiness. Point three. The cross is a place where all of our greatest needs were met. All these needs. True acceptance. You want true acceptance? It was declared on the cross when Jesus made you a child of God. When Jesus died on that cross, he accepted you just as you are. You want to feel accepted by somebody? Jesus, in spite of everything, Jesus knows more about you than anybody else. Jesus knows all the things you've never shared with anybody else. And in spite of that, if you were the only person that would have ever lived, he still would have died on that cross just for you. You want acceptance? It's at the cross. You want comfort? How about when Jesus declared on the cross, it is finished? It's over. It's finished. It's done. We win. If your comfort is in anything other than that, you're going to be let down. You want respect? You know, we often find respect in what we accomplish, and I'm very, very guilty of this. The cross frees us from our identity, shaped in what we do or what we accomplish. You see, because the cross has nothing to do with our accomplishments. It's in spite of our sin, not because of our accomplishments. You want security? No man or woman can provide the amount of safety and love that Jesus can, and the cross secured that completely. Let, remi- let me remind you that I'm not saying that your spouse or significant other can't provide these things for a period of time. It's like when Brian was up here holding the weights. For a while, you'll be able to hold the weight. You'll be able to do it. But eventually, you will fail. Eventually, you're going to have to put them down. Eventually, you're going to make a mistake. 
And the question is, when those mistakes are made, where is the comfort? Where is the security? Where is the respect coming from that you think that we all need it? We all need it. The question is, where are you finding it? You know, happiness is not guaranteed. There's nothing in Scripture that says you're guaranteed to be happy. But if you want to be truly happy, in my opinion, then the acceptance, the comfort, the respect, the security, they have to come from Jesus. You want eternal happiness, it has to come from Jesus. So I want to invite the band up as we close. I was able to get all that in, even though Derek took all my time. Here's, here's, my, uh, here's my hope today. We need to release your spouse or your significant other from the burden of unmet expectations. Stop asking your spouse or your significant other or your friends or your family to fulfill a role that they were not built to fill. Think about that. Stop asking the people you love in your life to fulfill a role for you that they were never asked or meant to fill. Jesus is the only one that's going to bring you the security that you want, the love, the respect. So what do we need to do? We need to love deeply. It says in 1 Peter, we have to love deeply. It says in John, to, we're supposed to love our significant other as Christ loved us. I love this. In, in Romans, Paul says, don't look to the world for your example. <laughs> it's not a romantic comedy. Screen doesn't go to black 6,028 days ago. Right? She's seen me cutting my toenails. That's gross. <laughs> She's heard me fart. <laughs> not do the laundry. All the, all the things, right? Don't look to the world. Forgive them as Christ forgave you, it says in Ephesians. Honor them above yourself, Paul says to the Romans. And then Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark, do not let anybody separate you. So, seek Jesus both individually and together in any relationship that you have, whether it's your spouse, your significant other, your friends, or your family. Seek Jesus first. The best thing you could possibly do for your relationships is not go to them first, but go to Jesus first and build that foundation on something solid. Pray together daily. Very practical. I will be the first to admit that my wife and I do not pray together daily. And so try it for a week. One week. Okay? Every single day. And in your own prayers, thank God for your spouse, your significant other, for your family and your friends. Say thanks for all the things that you love about them. And if you're mad at them, say like two or three things. <laughs> your spouse, your friends, and your family need Jesus more than they need you. Help your spouse and the people you care about find Jesus and bring heaven to earth as Jesus has taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. The only true happy ending that any of us can ever have in any relationship that we ever have is through the eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, uh, like I said at the beginning, relationships are amazing, absolutely amazing. Marriage is amazing, uh, but it's hard, Lord. It's uh, it's hard to constantly have our eyes fixed on you and fixed on the cross and be focused on you. And it's so easy to think that what's best for those relationships is for me to prioritize them and a lot of times above you. 
Lord, help us all to understand that everybody in our life, whether it's an acquaintance all the way to our spouse, that person needs you more than they need us. And that the love that we all desire, the acceptance, the, the respect, uh, all those things, Lord, that you're the one that can provide that. And you're the one that can build that foundation in their life in a meaningful and lasting way. I pray all in Jesus' name. Amen.